Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. As a young child watching your mom just absolutely wreck shop at work every day and then and that's your family dynamic, like, that's hugely formative. That's big. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. I call it actionable empowerment. Every single episode, you'll hear the story of a fantastic woman in tech, from engineers to founders to investors to journalists to designers, all sorts of different females in tech who have thrived. I want to share their stories with you so that you can know what resources, mentors, and life situations they accessed in order to get to where they are today. Enjoy. Welcome back to the Women in Tech podcast here in Austin, Texas right now. Yes, celebrating women in tech around the world. And I have an amazing woman in tech here for a company that I am personally stoked and passionate about called Scribe Media. It used to be Book in a Box, and it helps authors Finish their books, led by an incredible executive team. I'll let Megan get all into it. Welcome, Megan. Thank you for having me. Hi. Hi. Let's do the formal introduction. Go ahead and introduce yourself and tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do. And then I'm going to geek out and ask you all the questions. Amazing. <laughs> uh, I'm Megan McCracken. I'm the head of manuscript at Scribe Media. And what I do basically... I do a lot of stuff, but what I do is I explain to people that I make sure the books get published and I make sure that they are good. So that that's my job. And I come up with a lot of uh, processes and ways to make the books better, ways to make our process better. But what we do as a company is essentially we turn people's ideas into books. We help them get their books finished, on the page, beautifully designed, um, like amazingly published, and get them out into the world. And what is your involvement specifically in the tech world? How do you integrate tech into your role? Yeah, so I come from a tech background. I was one of those kids who grew up like designing websites when HTML was still a tiny little thing no one knew about. And uh, I did not ever study computer science or tech, but I became a tech writer and then a software engineer in my 20s. And I did that for a while. I worked for some big companies and um, I did everything from tech writing, content design, UX design, really worked in that for a while. And then I went back to my first passion of writing and and went in with Book in a Box, now Scribe. And when you say tech writing, you mean as a journalist? No, no. So, okay, funny story, actually. That's yeah. what I thought tech writing was yeah. when I first got into tech writing. And someone had a, a job posting for a tech writing job. And I thought, well, I'm a writer and I know about tech. So I'll be great for this yeah. job. And I sort of just like vamped my way into this position. That's not what tech writing is. It's it's like a whole specified uh, discipline where you essentially have to mine developers' brains for exactly how a product works mm-hmm. and then translate that into very accessible language that is going to teach other people how to use the project or internally right. make sure the internal teams are all aligned on the project. And yeah, I imagine you use really sexy software. 
to uh, document all that? Yeah, super sexy. Yes, XML software is the sexiest of software. <laughs> yeah, Oxygen XML editor is the greatest. No, um, no, not really. <laughs> and how about how did you teach yourself how to be a software engineer? Where did that journey start? It's one of those things where um, so my older brother is a really accomplished architect, um, mm-hmm. and he is also self-taught. We were like kids messing around on like DOS when we were like little little right? kids, and. Uh, we just, I don't know, it's always something that we've kind of done on the side. And uh, I basically, when I got into tech writing, I realized pretty quickly that I was going to need to learn some programming languages to be able to understand fully what the developers were talking about so that I could do my job. So I taught myself a lot of different languages and um, just kind of went from there. And it's fun. I don't know if you've ever done programming, but like the whole learn to code movement is awesome. It's really fun to learn to code. It's really fun to sit around and just solve problems all day in code. Uh, One interesting thing about saying that, like, it's just interesting to learn how to code is, uh, yes, I've uh, had, I think it was, what is, learn five-minute rail. I don't remember. Some, like, program, five-month rails, whatever. I tried something. What I asked myself, because I'm really interested in the programming world and coding, what I asked myself is, do I want to become a, a coder? Do I want to become an engineer? If I don't, coding is constantly changing. It's yeah. constantly evolving. If I don't want to keep up with it, like a doctor needs to keep up with the health of the body, it's it's not right for me. So I asked myself, of all the things out there, what do I feel the biggest affinity for? What lines up with my personality? And when I address that I don't want to keep up with the evolving changes of coding, I kind of let it go. Yeah, I, I had uh, not exactly the same experience, yeah. but when I started working at Scribe full time, I really gave up a lot of the continuing learning, continuing yeah. skill building that I was doing because you're exactly right. It, it changes so fast. Yeah. You can't like sit back and take a break on yeah. your skills when it yeah. comes to code. So I did when I started yeah. at Scribe and I within like four months uh, I had a friend at work who was like, hey, do you want to um, I'm I'm doing this this cool thing right. and uh, it's this cool tool that I'm building. Do you want to see it? And yeah. I, I remember looking at it and going, oh, I, I can't really make heads or tails of this anymore. Like, I, yeah, yeah, like yeah. it goes so quickly. Yeah. So you really have to decide to be in it, like be a programmer, like really live it yeah. uh, or not. And yeah. I was fine moving on because I my passion is really writing and books and yeah. media of all kinds. And um, I never lost, though, the part of tech that I loved, which is just problem solving. Yeah. That's what I love to do the most. And that's what I've continuously done. I love problem solving. I think uh, as like female founders, we all, all right, that's what we need to be best at, okay. solving problems all day long. Why do you love being part of the scribe culture so much? I watched your video on your team, practically multiple staff mates crying on this video, yeah. how in love they are with scribe. I was really moved. <laughs> uh, I was moved when I saw it. I was, I mean, that's kind of the um, environment that we have when we have our, we have summits twice a year. A lot of our team is remote. They live n- outside of Austin, which I hate because I wish they lived next yeah. door to me all the time. Yeah. I love them so much. And so twice a year we get together in Austin. We have that exact sort of love fest environment at our summit. We talk about what we're doing well. We talk about what we need to improve. We do like personal development building yeah. all together. And uh, those summits and just the the constant dedication to our 
culture principles, which we have in this public. Have you seen the culture doc? No, I haven't. There's a public Google doc that Tucker wrote. It's a um, like just an outlining of our values and principles yeah. that we as a company adhere to, that we all inhabit and live by. And it's live on the web. There's like thousands of comments on it from yeah. people on the internet just reading it and going, wow, this is interesting. Or people who are like, I don't agree with this, yeah. explain, which is even more awesome. Uh, but yeah, we all basically make a commitment to live the culture doc. And when someone violates a principle, it, someone's on Slack going, hey, man, that's that's not that's not right. That's not how we do things. So we um, really protect it. You guys have a podcast too. Yeah. Author Hour with Charlie Hone. Uh, yeah. I love Charlie. Yes. Okay, I've known Charlie for years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's a wonderful human. He's a, he is a wonderful yes. And he has a baby and a he, family. Oh, the most yeah. adorable baby. The most adorable <laughs> wife. Uh, yeah. Charlie uh, does Author Hour, our podcast. And it, honestly, the production value of Author Hour is bonkers. It's so good. It sounds like it sounds like an NPR podcast. It's so awesome. And I all of the authors that he interviews on this podcast yeah. are authors that we've done books with and yeah. I mean as head of manuscript I've I've pretty much read all of these books. They've right. seen that made sure that they went through the process really well that they came out yeah. great. And even knowing every word of what's in those books, I listen to this podcast and I'm hanging on every word. I love it's it so, so cool. much. It's so good. And that goes back. So Tucker had another podcast that I loved and it was about helping men oh, date yeah. more effectively. I can't remember. But I listened to almost every episode. And Char- that's when I think Charlie got involved. He would like guest host sometimes. Yeah. Or yes, co-host. Yeah. They they had been friends for yeah. a while. But yeah. He, but it was so great. Yeah. It was dating advice for men. But I... Got a lot out of it as a female. I totally agree. I told Tucker that way back uh, that I had listened to it kind of a few years after it came out, but I found it. And um, yeah, as a woman, as like a younger dating woman, single woman, I was so impressed and refreshed with the just like basic breakdown of – Men and women and, like, what's going on here? And, guys, it's about just relating to humans and building relationships. There's no game to be played. I found that so amazing and refreshing, especially from coming from a man. Like, you don't hear that that much. I thought it was great. So I want to get into a little bit because I'm so excited about so many things about Scribe. And it's why I wanted to have you on as a woman in tech representing this, like, company that seems to have, from my outsider perspective, an outstanding company culture led by what I believe to be a really forward-thinking tech innovator um, and and just businessman that is humble enough to know where his weaknesses are. Yeah. <laughs> and there's just so – like someone who understands marketing, like all the things that it takes to run a successful tech company and we're usually missing a piece, I feel like Scribe – is that full circle, like, is almost like a, a Zappos in a way of an example. Uh, Zappos was an example to the business world or like 37 Signals now Basecamp was an example to the business world. How to run a rad company. Yeah. Like a truly rad 360 company. I feel like Scribe is in the process of being that too, where people should look to Scribe to see how to build an amazing company. And one of the things that I'd like to address um, is if somebody looks up Tucker, they see like Tucker, who's the founder, but he like demoted himself or something. Uh, He fired himself. He didn't demote himself. He fired himself. (laughs) It's so crazy. I want you to get into all that. But he has a little bit of um, like um, 
a sprinkled background when it comes to like supporting women, which I I don't think that that's true. Like, obviously, I you guys, I'm doing book in the box slash scribe. Like, I'm excited. I yeah. can't wait to learn from them. Um, so can you just for like literally 10, 30 seconds dispel all negativity? Related to women not liking Tucker. <laughs> That's That would be hilarious to attempt. Uh, I think the best way to put it is, e- e- like, people grow, people change. And there's, like, a continuum of creative output that people have, especially when people are writers. I, it's always funny to me when someone brings up, like, oh, you're a woman and you work with Tucker and what's that like? And I'm like, what do you mean? I, I have no – there's no part of me that, like, ha- takes pause to that because – I mean, I'm a writer. You're a writer. You understand the difference between – or you understand what it is to be a writer and to be capturing, like, a time and a place and a slice of life. And that's – you know, that's – I really feel that's what his writing background represents. It's a time and a place. It's a it's a really um, like beautifully rendered look at this specific moment in this person's life and what it meant to be a man at that time in that exact environment. And – I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, that people like to then totally. build on that. Totally. And, but I, I mean, as far as just it's it's so funny to me actually hearing people say like, oh, as a, you know, as a woman and his supportive women, I, I don't, literally don't think I've ever met anyone in my life more supportive of women. And and yeah. the top leadership positions at our company at Scribe are held by women. Yeah. So it's it's always funny to me when this comes up and I'm just I'm very bewildered, but not naively so. Like right. I understand what people think, but it's like, ah, whatever. We do good work. What are you gonna do? Yeah, and and I see I I don't know personally, but from my again perception, it just seems like he's an amazing, uh like a dedicated husband and father and all the things oh God, to yeah. make him like a good human. And I think it's just an example of of a uh, a marketer and an author who wrote something really really effectively to create change and and um, impact in whatever way like that's crazy yeah. how many of us wish we could create a piece of content that so many people either resonate with or want to talk about it, to I mean, make something successful that is yeah. hard to do it's very hard to do it's yeah. hard to do it's not only hard to do it's hard to do well it's hard to do in a way that remains impactful for whatever, yeah. for better or for worse. Yeah. And the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, it's, you know, millions of copies sold. Yeah. And I think I'm so excited to learn from him. And and again, getting back to I think Scribe is a company to watch um, as a, 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 an example company of how to build a strong company. Can you talk about the leadership of women in tech and women in the company and, um, and talk about, uh, you know, like me, you're getting to solve my dream. I was just called an author for the first time in an email to you the other day. Tucker's yeah. like, meet one of our authors. I was like, I've never been called an author before. And it's been my dream since I was a little girl. Well, you you are. You're an author. It's really exciting. And I've been writing. Just to be clear, I've been writing since I was – I published – I was a school editor of my high school paper. I created my junior high school magazine. I studied uh, – I was in a journalism program at Cal Poly. I was, I've been a business journalist. I've written e-books. Never once in my life, uh, I graduated college with creative writing degree. Never once in my life have I been called an author yeah. or felt that I was an author until that moment. And all I've ever wanted to be my whole life is an author. And I never, I just, I don't know. I I grew up with writing in tech, but yeah. I 
might have been labeled as a tech person. Yeah. It, you know, it's, it's so funny. That's been exactly my experience, yeah. too. And I can always tell – you can always tell other, like, like true writers, not right. people who kind of kick around and write blogs occasionally, but yeah. people who are writers because they always say that it's the thing that they've always done. And when I was in, like, college and I, I was trying a bunch of different things, yeah. I, I majored in a bunch of stuff, and I finally was like, well, what have you always done? Yeah. Always, your entire life, no matter what was going on, you were always doing this thing, and yeah. it was writing. So I did a creative writing degree. And then all through my 20s, I tried all these different jobs. I mean, I have had every job. Yeah, like, I've I done so it. many different yeah. things. And always, always, I was writing in the background, just just reams and reams of output. And yeah, that's that's really, that's what a writer is. You, you write. That's the difference between people who call themselves a writer. They're like, oh, I love to write. And people who are writers. And it's, so cool. it's just that one little step of then yeah. having a published thing with your name on it. Yeah. Having a published book with your name on it. And that's it's so exciting. And you it. guys are making that possible for me. It's crazy. Yeah. So well, let's talk, let's, let's talk about just the women leadership and then let's go back and like talk about your personal journey because that's why you're here. But I just, I can't get enough of how important I think this company is for so many reasons, just so many, like Zappos and, and Basecamp, formerly 37 Signals, were pivotal in so many of the tech companies formed and how they developed culture, how they developed operations. To have another example company like that, and not only like that, but a company that openly supports, you know, women in leadership and 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 just everything. It's so exciting. <laughs> I just I want to talk about all of it. Yeah, it, you know, it, my re- passion is like oozing out of this room. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, the Zappos example is a is a really good one because we a lot of the books that we help authors write are like in the business space. They're in the entrepreneur space. There are a lot of them about scaling businesses. A lot of them about culture, about startups. Yeah, and a consistent example that comes up yeah. from authors when they're talking about culture is is Zappos and. Yeah. Uh, it, it took me a few times of of writing of seeing that in manuscripts yeah. and seeing that as the the main example before I thought, wow, I I believe one hundred percent, not an exaggeration. Yeah. That's going to be us yeah. in a matter of years because the culture that we've built and that yeah. we and that we so fiercely protect and yeah. stand by yeah. is. So it's honestly revolutionary. Yeah. It's like nothing I've ever been in. And I've worked for like the big software companies, yeah. <laughs> you know, that like claim that culture is there. Oh, this is our founding. Yeah, yeah. They, and it's just not. I I have never, I mean, not that I'm stalking company videos, but I've never, ever seen a company video, and you guys will include it in the show notes, that had employees fiercely passionate on the verge of tears and some even crying on what a positive impact working for Scribe makes on their life. Oh, gosh, yeah. yeah. Never have I seen something yeah. like that. That was in, And it was genuine. It wasn't script. It was just a, phenomenal. It's we, we are genuine about it. We're so genuine. I Actually, a good example is when I came on full-time for Scribe. So I'd been working in a freelance capacity as a freelance writer for the company almost since it started, like yeah. way, way back. And... Uh, I came on full time, and when I was talking to our CEO JT McCormick, um, who by the way is <laughs> the greatest human on earth, I just have yeah. to plug JT, the greatest person ever. But uh, when I was talking to him about just like what's my role going to look like, what are you going to have me do? I, I mean, I was coming from software. I was coming from IBM, and 
you know, software salaries are, they're pretty in, inflated, I think. Yeah. They're kind of like grades at Ivy's, like you're yeah. going to get A's because that's what they do. Right. And it's the same at software companies. Like salaries are big. Yeah. And I knew I was going to be taking a pay cut. And I was fine with that because not only was the culture so insane, and I'd already experienced it just being a freelancer, yeah. but also we're a completely bootstrap company. We have no VC. Right. We're told it's it's us like base camp. Yeah, it's totally us. like base camp. That for me, I'm someone who like <laughs> I own a business. I've worked in business before. I've worked in um, consulting. I have an MBA. Like that, I hear that from a CEO. Oh, we're bootstrapped. I'm like, yeah. say no more. I'm yeah. done. I'm there. Um, that's incredible. But after six months of being there, I realized that I would have paid the amount of money that I took as a pay cut to come onto this startup. I would have paid double that in personal development courses for what I got out of the company after six months. The, the person I was when I joined and the person I am now, it's like light years worth of growth. It's, it's incredible. I, I, I know some at some points it may sound like to the listener that we're not talking about women in tech specifically, but <laughs> but we are. And here's how. You're talking about culture. Mm -hmm. What do I hear about in women in tech job descriptions left and right? Companies don't understand us. They don't understand culture. They don't know how to communicate to women. And you're saying, hey, here's a company that communicated the culture and communicated to me in a way that I resonated with, that I wanted to work with them, and that I even feel even even more immersely passionate about it now having worked with – how long have you worked with Scribe now? It's almost two years. Almost two years. Like – this is what I'm talking about. This is an example of how to attract women in tech. Yeah. Know how to communicate to yeah. us. Yeah. There, there are really, and honestly, that's not an accident. There are really specific uh, language and wording choices that we we just assiduously avoid. Things like uh, like be a rock star marketing guru, <laughs> like stuff like that. It, we're not going to put that in our job ad because that is, I mean, pandering and dumb, and it attracts <laughs> the wrong people. And so we language all of our job ads to really carefully attract the type of people that we know are going to be culture fits. They're going to understand that our culture is, number one, results-oriented. Yeah. That's huge. I think that also is, for me, that's the one holdover from tech that I see between the two cultures is that when you work in tech, I mean, it's results oriented. You need to get your stuff done yeah. at the end of the day. You've got to get yeah. it done. And that's that's true with us, too. We've had people who are like literally beautiful humans, yeah. amazing people that we love dearly that weren't getting results. And yeah. that's in our culture doc. You have to get results. So finding people that are going to fit with the culture of not only are you from a human standpoint yeah. going to fit in really well and going to protect and build this culture as right. much as we do. But you're also like a freaking hustler. You're yeah. going to get results. You're really insanely smart, insanely motivated, self-motivated, yeah. in incredible growth mindset. These are all the ingredients that we're looking for. And we very carefully word all of our communication, all of our job ads to try to attract those people. And you said that um, women in leadership is really important to the company. Uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit more? You know, it's the answer is yes and no. It, yes, it is something that we are proud of that uh, many of the top leadership positions are held by women at our company. But it's not something that we set out with the intention to do. We we literally had no there's no there's no moment where we said okay, well we need we need to have a woman in a top spot. <laughs> we, we need to find a way yeah. to make that happen. It's like yeah. no, we don't f find you a want way the to best make candidate. it. Yeah. yeah, the we Sorry. naturally create a culture where equality is the base. And yeah. it's it's like that 
um, and you know, it's like that uh, the this is water speech yeah. where you don't even notice it because you're you're just in it. It's just yeah. like the foundation of our culture. Yeah. So there's never a moment where we're like, oh no, let's focus on yeah. diverse gender diversity. Like it just happens yeah. because that's the that's the environment we've created. And you said Tucker fired himself. Oh yeah. What's that mean? Uh, li- literally fired himself. So uh, <laughs> yeah, like it means what it what it says. Uh, he was the CEO. Um, he's a co-founder, and uh, he was the CEO. And they started doing a book with JT McCormick. And JT came to us as an author. And about, you know, I don't know, a little ways into JT's author experience, you know, Tucker was having, you know, some difficulties nailing being a CEO, let's right. put it that way. And uh, JT is is just a savant. He's a business savant. There's no other way What's to put it. What's his background? His background is he came from um, Headspring and uh, like top executive position there and uh, has had a background of just very quickly accelerating to top leadership positions everywhere he's been because yeah. he just has an instinct for not only people yeah. but business and how to make things grow and scale. Yeah. Um, he's also incredibly well-educated yeah. in business. This is someone who lives and breathes like business news and reading about companies and knowing every little history point yeah. of every company he's interested in. So um, incredibly well-read. And yeah, he came to us as an author and, you know, Tucker was like, hey, dude, ha- tell me tell me everything I'm doing wrong. Yeah. <laughs> help, help me figure this out. Yeah. And JT was like, okay, do you want to know? Like, yeah. I'll tell you. And just sent him this long, um, like, I don't know, 500-point list of, hey, here are the things that you need to improve. These are yeah. the things that are going to – that are really going to make your business not grow, not yeah. scale. And long story short, Tucker was like, come be CEO. And that's what happened. So he – Tucker was like, I, I can see from this, from this guy yeah. that I am not equipped for this role. I will never be equipped for this role. I mean, not never say never. Maybe someday in the yeah. future. But – to grow this company, I'm not the one to do it. We need a CEO who can do this. And and JT came in and became our CEO. And I think that says a lot about his character and his willingness to be vulnerable and define his weaknesses. Oh, yeah. um, before we move on from talking completely about Scribe, one thing that I think is important. So I, I'm friends with Tony Shea from Zappos. Yeah. And years ago at South by Southwest here in Austin, I was on the Delivering Happiness bus, his book title name. Yeah. And his tour manager uh, said, Esprit, you have to write a book. See, this goes back like to 2009, 2010. (laughs) You have to write a book. That's what's going to elevate your career. That's what what you need to do. So I remember that was the first moment. And I'm going to say this really lightly, quote unquote, that I took writing a book really seriously. But again, like this is like eight years ago. And that's when I'm like, ah, like Tony's guy says – like he essentially said, if you write a book, I can create a whole tour schedule for you. Right. Yeah. How insane is that? I have this uh, amazingly influential friend, have someone on his team say, I could help you like elevate if you have a book. And I still don't finish the book yeah. until I find, you know, book in a box and now scribe. And so the reason why I want to address that is I'm going to ask a question. And it leads back to this. Have you been on a podcast before? I actually used to do a podcast. Oh, we have to talk about so. that. Okay, but I have a point. But uh, So you yeah. used to do a podcast. Have yeah. you been on someone else's podcast? Never. No, oh, this is your first one. Yeah. Ah! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so most women in tech 
I've interviewed, and I've interviewed hundreds of women, women in tech, have never been on a podcast before, which makes me feel so elated to be able to give you a platform to share your story. And I'm also stunned that they've never been on a podcast. I'm like, why isn't anyone asking? You know, know. like, and so if you truly want, and I think this is important for our community, you truly want to elevate your presence and your presence is worthy and you are enough and you do have something to share. I think Reaching out to Scribe to write a book about your experience being a woman in tech and having their guidance like I'm doing. I'm not saying this because Megan's sitting in front of me. I am signed up and fucking excited out of my mind to be a part of the Scribe program. It's like a year accountability program. I, I'm just I can't wait. I'm here in Austin. I get to physically meet with this seasoned team and really make my dreams possible. And I just I can't I can't tell you it's my mom hasn't seen me this excited in so long. She's like, <laughs> I don't get it, but great, you know? Um like this is what we need to do. Be on the Women in Tech podcast, write a book, share your story and and like make sure you have the right team in place to make sure you're not like me and it's not 10 years later before you're getting your book out there because literally there's no reason other than you know, not having the right accountability in place that I didn't write a book within even 48 hours from the time that I was first told I can truly help elevate your career by someone on Tony Shea's team, you know, like of like a, a gazillion dollar company acquired by Amazon. And I still didn't do it. Yeah. And so um, just with that pause, like where for people to explore more to see what they're talking about, that what I'm a part of, where can they go? Yeah. Go to our website, scribemedia.com. And uh, there's a bunch of different options that we have. The one that you're doing, our guided author program. I mean, it's it's honestly amazing. I mean, this is our fourth one. It's it's honestly, it's so, so great. I, I've worked with, at this point, hundreds of authors to help them write their books, help them get their books out there. I've watched them get published. I've watched those, like, beautiful champagne moments where they're, like, holding their book and handing it to their kid and popping yeah. the champagne. But truly the guided author program where I'm in the room with someone side by side showing them how to craft like a beautiful journey and narrative out of their personal story and just watching that moment where it clicks for them. I have a story to tell. That story is valuable. People are going to be inspired by it. Yeah. That's an amazing moment. It's, it's one of my favorite parts of my job and it's available to everyone. Everyone's got a story. Totally. And, and just to be really clear, this is not sponsored. I am paying my own money for the program. I'm that excited about it. And just so you understand, because it's something that I had to understand myself in signing up, not only do they hold me accountable, it's not just accountability. And it's not just with meeting with seasoned editors. Like what, what were the, some of the publishers like from Harper's Bazaar or something like, Oh uh, yeah. What were, yeah, we have editors from, um, yeah, Harper and Simon and Schuster and Penguin. Like, really reputable editors, they guide me and help me co-create my book. And then they help guide me to to distribute the book, market the book, like all the things. Like, there's nothing, the book cover, there is nothing left out. Meaning, I finally get to achieve my dream that I have had since I'm a little girl, where I literally will have a gorgeous book to 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 like do whatever I do. and they guide you how to utilize that to even elevate your career in the way that makes sense for you. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, the whole thing is extraordinary. So 
Oh, now past that commercial break that again, <laughs> like I have not been paid for. I am proudly paying to be a, a part of an incredible program. Let's dive back in to why you're here in the first place, which is your passion for technology. Did you have tech growing up at home? Yeah. So we were like early computer adopters, early internet adopters. I grew up in LA, um, pretty much like right in the middle of the entertainment industry. My mom is a TV producer. So we- I'm in LA. uh, I grew up in Burbank. Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah, we were kind of like early tech adopters, had computers, uh, like, you know, personal home computers, um, pretty pretty much like late 80s, like pretty early, I think, for most homes. We had internet right away. Uh, went through all the phases of internet, you know, dial up through all the phases of broadband. And um, like, I remember actually really clearly when we got a CD-ROM enabled computer and like <laughs> my friends at school were like, oh my God, yeah. this is the way of the future, right? Uh, but yeah, we, we were kind of early adopters and I, I would not have gotten into coding at all if it weren't for my mom and my brother who were both, um, I mean, they're just really curious people who are interested your in... Your mom and your brother. Yeah, yeah. Interesting uh, that it's your mom, too. Yeah, yeah. My mom still works in tech to this day. She um, is a marketing manager for, a, like, a huge um, education education software company. Nice. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, they kind of got, got me a little bit into coding. I was never really into um, actual programming. I was more into... I was really into HTML. <laughs> I was, like, really into making websites, and when I was, like, 10 or 11, like really, like, you know, very, very early, really awful yeah. like, fan websites for random movies that I liked. Yeah. And yeah, so, um, and I just kind of always kept that up because it's, again, it's really fun to just sit and code stuff. Um, I remember, like, I remember so clearly when CSS became a thing and me being just like, abhorrently opposed to this. Just like, this is dumb. Why are we doing this? Yeah. Just code it right into the page. Like, why would you do... And then, obviously, now it's like you... There's no escaping it. It's every... You have to know it. But, um, yeah, so I, I kind of always always did it. I never planned to work in tech. Like I said, I really bluffed my way into my first tech job yeah, because <laughs> I didn't know what it was. And um, and it, it grew from there. Where are you formally educated about tech or did you seek out your own resource to... Are you self-taught? Yeah, totally self-taught. Uh, my formal education is a degree in medieval poetry. What? And, uh, yeah, like I what? don't. Yeah, no, I, I don't. I studied like Beowulf through college. That's that's what I did. Um, I really thought I wanted to like go be an academic at Oxford and just like read dusty books my whole life, and that turned out not to be what I wanted. Uh, well, actually. <laughs> They're not dusty, but you do get to read books your whole life. I do. I get to read books my whole life. Lots of reading and writing. Um, yeah, and then I, I I got into tech writing because I had been doing business writing. Right. I got an MBA, and I was like, okay, well, I know how to write. I'll write business plans for people. I was working for a company in Portland that um, that wrote business plans for yeah. startups. That's where I got actually a, a ton of startup just, like, knowledge. Yeah. And, um, and then, yeah, kind of – like 2008 happened. Everyone lost their jobs. Yeah. I didn't have a job. I'm in Portland, like working as a, you know, bespoke mixologist clown girl. Like right. it's very Portland. Like you don't have real jobs there. And I mean, maybe today, no offense to Portland. <laughs> um, but back then you didn't. And, uh, and yeah, my brother and his wife were living in Canada and they had a job in an engineering lab and they said, you know, you, you know how to write stuff and you know tech pretty well. Do you want to come out and um, do some tech writing? And I literally, I was like, sure, of course, I'll do that. Yeah. And then I met with the the professor who was running the whole lab and he was like, okay, so how much do you know about MRIs? And I was like, 
I know everything about MRIs. <laughs> and I just like learned about MRIs and then moved to Canada and worked on um, basically like in an optical engineering lab when we invented um, a, a lot of like medical tech for about a year. And then uh, the weather drove me back. I'm a California girl at heart. So to pause on that thought, though, for a second, you did something very unusual to our community, which is typically on like based on statistics or whatever you want to base it on in theory, however you want to call it. If you give two people a job opportunity, both a guy and a girl, and they both don't know how to do it, the guy will be like, yeah, I'll take it and then figure it out. (laughs) And then they'll go like, let me learn how to do it first and then say yes. Now, you did what the stories go the guys usually do. I think that's awesome. I think it's really important for us to become aware that we sometimes make decisions in that way so that we could counteract it. What gave you the courage to just say, yep, I got ROIs on uh, – I mean ROIs, <laughs> MRIs on lockdown? Yeah, I, it's I, – I've said this before to other people. I don't think I've ever been qualified for any job I've ever gotten, like truly. And it's not like I'm walking around bluffing my way into things. I mean I am a little. But I I don't know. I, I think it's the confidence of knowing that I am smart. I know how to figure things out. I have not really had a lot of experiences where I've failed to figure things out. So throw something at me and I'll, I'll probably figure it out. I'll need yeah, to yeah, do yeah. I'll need to go to school a little bit. I'll need to do some work. Yeah. Um but I'll I'll, I'll make it happen. I'll make it go. Yeah. And I'd already had a few of those experiences but um I mean I was also really lucky. I was raised by parents who were just instilled me with insane confidence in myself. So um yeah, I think it's a mix of confidence and then also, like, just knowing, hey, you'll figure it out. You'll be able to figure this out. I'm not going to go bluff my way into a job as, like, a like a trauma surgeon because yeah. I can't figure that out. And yeah. I know that. But if I know enough of the pieces and someone says, hey, this job requires that you solve these problems, right. I'm confident enough in my ability to solve problems that – all it is at that point is just learning the vocab, yeah. understanding how the pieces fit together, and then I can solve the problems. I love it. You said that your parents instilled confidence into you. I think it would be great for all the women in tech moms listening. What What are a couple of tips that your parents did that were really effective in you developing that? Well, it's funny. There's, there's, a, there's a lot I could say. I think a big one was um, for women especially uh, – there, I was always pushed in the direction or not pushed, but guided in the direction of, you know, what are your unique abilities? What are your unique capabilities that are going to allow you to do great things? And I, I was never guided in the direction of like, what do your looks have to do with it? You know, and right. not that I was not that my parents were like, you know, like never gave me a compliment. Right. But I don't think there was ever a moment in my childhood where something came down to how I looked and it just or who or who yeah. you are, gender. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Or like my my value to other people as a woman rather than my value as a capable human. Yeah. And that helped a lot. And then I think, honestly, that the the huge, huge formative thing for me in my childhood was um, the fact that my I mean, my mom was the breadwinner. She was like an absolute baller producer who then decided she didn't want to do production anymore, didn't like Hollywood anymore and wanted to go work in tech. Her passion was tech. Her passion was web development and taught herself web design and development and became a baller in that industry. So like as a young child watching your mom just absolutely wreck shop at work every day and then 
and that's your family dynamic, like that's hugely formative. That's big. That's awesome. And then what do you say is an obstacle that was really uh, difficult to overcome, but that you successfully overcame? And what did you learn from it? Like in my career? Yeah. Uh, I would say the the obstacle that is a real kick in the teeth that if you work in tech will happen at some point is the inevitable getting laid off scenario, which just happens. You know, they'll yeah. hire a bunch of contractors to, you know, implement something yeah. and then they get rid of them. Yeah. And so that feeling of, oh, I'm on a team and that feels great. I love teams. Yeah. I love working with people. I love who I'm here with. We're doing awesome stuff. And then having that all be swept away sort of unceremoniously, it feels like the team was a lie, which then calls into question the work that you did. So reorienting yourself, it, it that having that happen to me a few times in tech, which it just happens so much, I think. Right. Um, if anything, it was a bit of a blessing in disguise because it taught me very quickly that I don't form allegiance to a company or to a team. I form allegiance to myself. I'm a business of one. And I am a business that can then be leveraged to help solve problems for other companies. But it starts with me. And that that's a but the, the first few times that happens, like it's a real kick in the teeth. You yeah. wake up the morning after being laid off and your entire landscape of your life has changed. And yes, of course, you can go find another job very quickly. I never had a problem finding another job. But just the um, it's almost like the. Um, like the loss of that dream of like, well, I'm on a team. And honestly, not to not to keep plugging the crap no. out of Scribe, but that, no, me too. For me, that's that's the that was the big thing when I came to Scribe. It was suddenly like that dream that I had from adolescence through college of like working on an incredibly dedicated family like team of wonderful people who like support each other and do amazing things. And our work is so important, and we believe in it. That had been almost kind of demolished for me working in tech and I found it again at Scribe and that's one of the reasons I'm so like just I feel just immensely excited every day to go to work and uh and honestly I lucky is the wrong word because I worked my ass off but I do I feel lucky I forgot to ask how large is Scribe when was it created it used to be called Book in a Box it's now Scribe why did they change the company name yeah we're so we're about four years old and uh, we started really small. They were working on a picnic table in Tucker's penthouse <laughs> on Rainy Street and uh, grew really quickly. Went from the, the picnic table into a, the WeWork that's up like in the middle of – it's the WeWork up north. And um, we were in the WeWork for – we like moved from one WeWork office, quickly outgrew that to another WeWork office – Outgrew that. At that point, it was like 15 of us crammed into this little space. And, I mean, you've met some of us. We're all pretty big personalities. So yeah. it was like it, it got heated sometimes. <laughs> it was like it got distracting. And uh, that's when we got into our own office. By the time we got into our office last year, um, we have our own office space now, um, we were at – I should know the answer to this off the top of my head because I was the head of people at the time. <laughs> but I don't remember. We were in the 20s, I think. We were in the, like, like um, upper 20s. Yeah. And uh, and now we are we are in the mid-30s of full-time tribe members. How do you keep the company culture so connective? I feel at 30, and it gets even harder as you grow, yeah. but I feel like past 5 or 10 is... 
Yeah, it, it's there. It's interesting to watch actually the stages of exactly that phenomenon where you are like this super close cohesive team, and then you grow a little bit beyond that. You yeah. grow it a little bit, and so you have to find new ways to keep everyone really connected. Yeah, and then you'll reach a saturation point there, and you have to bust through. That's happened to us a couple times. We're we're in the middle of one right now where we're we're at the point where now like. Everyone doesn't know everything that's happening all the time. That's right. kind of a big thing to swallow when you've been at a company where every decision, everything that's happening, we all know about, we all talk about right. it. That's not possible anymore. We've got too many people. Yeah. So we we do a really careful and intentional job of keeping all of our remote people with us. Yeah. If you know, in spirit, um, if not physically, at all times, uh, we use Slack. To the hilt, we are, like, our company runs on Slack, and I think that's a big part of it. I feel like I'm in the room with everyone at all times, and um, and we make really, also really special um, efforts to show the remote tribe members, like, hey, we're thinking about you all the time. We made this hilarious, uh, this hilarious little video for them at one summit where we, um, we gave each of them, like, a special shout out, but there was also, like, a comedy piece where Tucker didn't know any of their names, and it was hilarious. (laughs) It was really good. And, uh, and yeah, we, we make an effort to make them all feel very included and very special. But then, honestly, I talk to all of them every day. Our work is busy. It's a lot. We're, it, it's a honestly, it's just a lot. So I who talk to all remote. Of them. Who works in house? About, uh, I would say it's it's definitely more than half of us now. It used to be more remote than in Austin. It's now well more than half of us are are in Austin, and most of the people who are remote are uh, are publishing managers. Yeah, because. They're really if if they lived in Austin and some of them do, they wouldn't be at the office anyway. They'd likely be at home. They're the ones who are on the phone with authors, like shepherding their project right. all day long. So right. they've got lots of different calls, and they're you know calling the book just the the book printers to make sure that that's going well. They're on the phone with the designers to make sure right. that's going well. So it's a lot of calls and a lot of um, corralling, and yeah. there's no need for them to be in the office. Anyone who's a like a department head. Um, or in a like a leadership position is in Austin. Um, and uh, before we wrap up, your favorite software tools? Oh my gosh! Uh, uh, this you brought up. I Slack. just said Slack, yeah. but honestly, I think Slack is genius. It's bringing back all the awesome stuff from '90s chat rooms <laughs> and like making it possible for us to run a business. I actually we incorporated it into the business that I own here in Austin. Um, even though we have a team of like eight people, but it's so great. Um, so I would say Slack. And then I'm, uh, um, I don't really have any other favorite tools. Wait, business that you own here in Austin, you haven't talked about that at all. Yeah, I own a yoga studio here in Austin. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's And you have a team of eight. Yeah, we, we've got about eight teachers. And that's then we not have, a, that's not a small thing. It's not, yeah, it's not a small, it's not a small How thing. How cool. It's, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, I was just teaching there last night. How long has that existed? We are in our fourth year. Yeah, yeah. Still open. Every day I wake up and I'm like, are we still open? (laughs) And I love to ask everybody this, but it's going to be extra special and extra difficult asking this. Your favorite book, personal and professional, or either one? Oh, yeah. My favorite book, it's on the Scribe website. It's The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. I was worried asking that. Say it again. The Martian Chronicles by Ray Bradbury. Uh, It's the book that I pick up when... I'm writing my own stuff. When I when I write my own stuff, like the stuff I write for my job is 
nonfiction. It's it's good. I you know it's good stuff, but it's nonfiction. Um, when I write my own stuff, it is like the pulpiest of sci-fi. It is like yeah. genre fic to the to the extreme. And when I need to feel really inspired, especially from a language and like a poetic standpoint, yeah. um, that's the book I read. What uh, where it, people who would like to explore working with scribe, where should they go? Uh, go to our website, scribemedia.com. We've got right there front page our director of operations Brittany uh, most beautiful woman alive <laughs> and there's a big button that says join our tribe and you click on that button and it takes you to a, a page just all about us about what we believe it shows you our culture doc it shows you our open positions uh, we are currently looking for a role called author marketing manager which is for someone who's into marketing into PR very good at the hustle amazing with people and um lives in Austin. That's important. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you. And where can people connect with you online? Uh, I, <laughs> I don't really have an online presence. I'm not on social media. Um, I'm jealous. I, yeah, I don't, I don't really do social. Um, or email or anything you're comfortable, or LinkedIn or anything you're yeah, comfortable Yeah, I, I have a LinkedIn that I rarely look at. You can look at that. Um, <laughs> I, my email address is Megan at scribemedia.com and I, I take any and all emails. And can you spell it? Yeah, M-E-G-H-A-N at Scribe Media, so S-C-R-I-B-E-M-E-D-I-A dot com. Awesome. Thank you so much for hanging out with the Women in Tech podcast. Yes. Thank you for having me. It was amazing and letting me fangirl out on Scribe and just everything. <laughs> I think it's so great. Honestly, when we were saying that we don't think a lot of women like put themselves out there on the podcast or writing their book because we're just trying to juggle so many things. And so I think this has been a really important interview. Um, if you want to say hello at Women in Tech Show on social, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, or go to the Women in Tech Facebook group womenintechvip.com takes you straight there I will see you guys talk to you guys hear you guys in the next episode bye I'm Megan McCracken head of manuscript at Scribe Media at Scribe we help authors turn their ideas into books and get those books published and out into the world we're based in Austin, Texas you're listening to Women in Tech Impact Hub here in Austin, Texas has been our home. We want to give a huge thanks to making it possible for us to comfortably meet and interview several inspiring women in tech. They have the most collaborative workspace, incredible events, beautiful design, a hammock in their backyard. What? It's an incredible space. You have to check it out if you're in Austin. Thank you so much for being a part of the Women in Tech journey. Be sure to go to impacthubaustin.com to get your free day of co-working. I want to give a huge thanks to the team at SpyCloud. SpyCloud protects your employee and customer information from breaches and account takeovers. Try SpyCloud's early warning breach detection platform. SpyCloud made it possible for us to meet with several women in tech here in Austin, Texas, and I am so thankful that they have been part of the Women in Tech podcast journey. Get protected today by going to spycloud.com. That's S-P-Y-C-L-O-U-D.com. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.